It is Unity Sunday. How many people are you wearing your Project Church or Project Sisterhood gear? Yeah, your merch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. So I'm talking about unity and building a house of unity. And if we can't get it right, at least we are wearing the same apparel, okay? So that's what we're after with Unity Sunday. Um, But I'm so excited because the Lord has given us we believe a blueprint for how to move forward in the next 10 years of our church. And a couple of things that we're sure we're gonna to continue to do is we're gonna to continue to lead all people to life and freedom in Jesus. That is a vision statement of our church, but more than a vision statement, we believe that God is wanting us to build a house of freedom and life. And then today, I believe that talking about building a house of unity is going to catapult us into the future that God has for us these next 10 years and beyond. Um, But I want you to understand this because you're a part of the mission. You, the church, you, the people of God, the saints, those who are calling themselves Christ followers, you are the church. It's not 1200 Second Street, the beautiful building on Um, 1200 Second Street in Old Sacramento. It is you, the church, because the location may change. We've changed very many locations, but you, the church, are part of accomplishing the mission. The building's just a tool, right? But there's no tools. I I was gonna say that you're not a tool, but you weren't following me. That's totally fine. (laughs) I'm laughing at my own jokes all morning. This has been the case. Okay, but you're on a mission. We're on a mission, church. The saints of God, the followers of Christ, we're on a mission. And church, the people of God, we cannot neglect the mission because if we neglect the mission, we will not see true unity. The byproduct of pursuing one goal, a common goal, is oneness, is unity. Unity is the byproduct of mission. The best way I can explain is when I think about when Caleb and I got together, um, how many, 15 years ago, and we were both single ones looking for love, right? And so there was this quote that was circulating um, MySpace pages of single Christian girls. And it said this, a woman's heart should be so lost in God that a man must be seeking him to find it. I posted it on my MySpace, on the Facebook, then Facebook, and then it may have shown up on an Instagram post or two, story only. And here's the thing. It's like, it's really cute and it's really sweet and it's true. But what you see happening is that two single people are on a mission to find Jesus. Ladies, listen to this. Men, listen to this. You want somebody who is on a mission without you already. When there's a mission a common mission, then you'll find unity. But when it's unity in Jesus, it's a completely different unity. It's a lot of peace. And that no matter what you experience, no matter what hardship you experience, when you both are on the right mission, then there's unity. That's how Caleb and I found one another. But what I see happening in the church is there's a lot of unity in preferences. And there's a lot of unity because you like the same things. You wear the same clothes or the same color. You have, I mean, I, I run to every Filipino in, who comes into this house because I'm very proud of that heritage. If you're Filipino, you've experienced this. Or if you look like you're Filipino, you've experienced this. But, and I've gotten the Asian wrong. Okay, whatever. We don't need to go there. 
But unity is more than those surface level things. God is calling Project Church to a depth of understanding of what unity actually is. And unity is a byproduct of mission. So Project Church, our true north, the, the culture of this house, the what we are building, the, the house that we're building, the home that we're building for people is the mission of loving God making disciples and planting more churches and more homes so that more people across the community, across, across the globe can experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. But that's what we can find. That's how we can find unity. But the world will be attracted to it only if we're loving one another. Unity, while the byproduct of mission is unity, Unity comes through love. Here's what it says in John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. All people, the people in your workplace, the people in your family, the people all over the community, the people who walk into Blueprint Coffee Shop, the people who come to a service on Saturday, the people who come to second, um, Saturdays where we're doing four Sacramento projects. The, the people that come to the Glass Slipper event that we have in just a few weeks and you have three weeks to be a part of that and sign up to be a part of that because we get united under mission. When we do those things, when we love one another, the world will know that there's unity there. Nobody wants to be a part of a dysfunctional family on purpose. So unity is imperative. And it's a command that God has given us to love one another Unity is so important. So let me pray over us real quick so that he knows when to cue and leave the keys. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing here. Unity, we declare it in this house. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have asked us to speak about this because this is your heart. And we only wanna speak what is on your heart. We only wanna follow what is on your heart. So God, we declare unity over your house. May we be a people who build unity so that you would be glorified, so that you would be seen, so that your love would be revealed to those who need to be loved and find hope in you. So we love you, Jesus, in your precious holy name. Amen, amen, amen. Love it, amen. Give it up for Chewy on the keys. I love the guys who are wearing the Project Sisterhood hats. Yeah. Surrender, baby. Okay. Ah. I love it. Well, here's the thing, guys. Finding unity in love seems like such an obvious endeavor for us. Just so obvious. Duh, we need unity. We got to love one another. Um, and in fact, the problem with this idea of unity in the church is that we have sometimes followed suit with the unity of the world. And can I tell you right now, the unity of this world is much different than Christian unity. What I have found is that the world has just as many desires as we do as it relates to unity. Everybody wants to be inclusive. Everybody wants to love well, love everyone, be kind, love is love. It's all these things that are championing unity. But can I tell you that Christian unity is much different? What I have seen is that the church has been informed by the world's type of unity more than what the scriptures are telling us about unity. You know, we, we sometimes even think that what's more important than unity is that we just stop sinning. We just, we just, as a church, we just need to stop sinning. Individuals, we need to get our lives in order. We need to be disciplined and we need to be on the straight and narrow and we have to be, you know, the best Christians and just not sin. 
And then we've re relegated unity just a byproduct of our doing and our being good Christians. But what God is wanting us to know in his scriptures is that his unity is much different than the world's unity. The world's unity demands of us. Do you notice that? When the world calls something um, as virtuous, then they demand it of other people. And if it is not received when demanded, then you're canceled. That is the world's unity. But the thing about the church's unity, that it looks a lot more like forgiveness. It looks a lot like understanding. It looks a lot like love, but it also stands on the truth of God's word. So the word unity, there's a worldly unity and there's a Christian unity. And I wanna just remind you that the world's unity, it, it, it's, an, it's, it's, excuse me, it's erroneous. And we have to understand that the unity that we are developing cannot be informed by the world's unity. It's gotta be informed by scriptures. And I wanna read from this book by Francis Chan. It's called Until Unity. Um, I'm not really reading his words. He just has a lot of scriptures readily available that I wanna read to you. Because scripture teaches us that our influence on the world is directly tied to the unity that we display, right? The, by this, by your love, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They're gonna know that we are Christ's followers united under Christ when we're loving each other well. So we have to care about unity the way that God cares about unity and it's in his scriptures. It's all throughout his scriptures. And the scriptures teach us what unity is. Proverbs 6, 19, 16 through 19, John 17, 20 through 23, Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, Titus 3, 9 through 11, Galatians 3, 27 through 28, Romans 14, 4, 1 Corinthians 1, 10, Philippians 2, 1 through 2, I'll get there, Colossians 2, 16 through 19, 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13, 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 7, 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, 2, 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 35, James 3, 17 through 18, 1 John 2, 9 through 11, 1 John 4, 10 through 12, Matthew 6, 9, I can go on and on, those are just a few scriptures all about unity. Let me just read a couple of them. These are six things that the Lord hates. Somebody say hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows, excuse me, one who sows discord among brothers. Disunity. God hates it. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, and they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Oh my gosh, God loves unity. He wants us to be one with God and one with one another so that the world can see that God is good. Oh man, guys. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, having nothing more to do with them, with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Oh, that speaks to perhaps having nothing to do with somebody who sows division. God takes division seriously. 
For as many of you are baptized in Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, you, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3, 27 through 28. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Christ Jesus, that all of you agree. All of you are one. All of you are in unity, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. I can go on and on all the scriptures. I'll post it on my Instagram so that you can get these scriptures. But God cares about unity. God cares about it perhaps even more than we care about how good our services flow. How good the music sounds. How great the preaching is. How flawless the, the production is and the feed on streaming on all different platforms. Perhaps God cares more about unity if he talks about it this much in scripture. Here's what Francis Chan also says. Our casual dismissive attitude toward unity is incredibly dangerous for three reasons. Number one, God is disgusted with it. Eef. Number two, the world is confused by it. And number three, perhaps the one that I'm going to camp on the most, it could be evidence that the Holy Spirit is not in us. Can I tell you right now that there, if there's divisiveness in this house, the Spirit of God cannot be with us. How can we expect God to pour into his house and to build his house when we are disunified? I'm not saying that we all are perfect. All have sinned and fallen short of the, God, of the glory of God, and all of us are sinners, so there is sin that takes place in his house, and so that naturally creates division, but what God is wanting to do is pour out his spirit on all people, on all flesh, and his spirit, he wants us to hold his spirit. He wants us to be presence carriers, but if we are not unified, then I just see his spirit passing through us, in us and then out through the cracks of disunity. It is a dangerous thing to be disunified. But we please the Father when we desire what he desires. His desire is not that we do unity well, but that we would see and understand him in unity. We understand him and what he wants to accomplish. We want to understand what he wants to do in our families because of who he is. But unity in the family has to take place. He wants us to understand what he wants to do and what he desires in this church. But we've got to be unified in order for us to see those plans clearly. Unity. Unity. So Psalm 133, 1 through 3. I believe that this is going to help us understand God's heart for unity. And I believe that these scriptures give us a blueprint of a, what God wants his house to know about unity. We've got to take it seriously. We've got to make it even more important than some of the things I think that the church has made important. Here's what it says, Psalm 133, 1 through 3. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. 
I love this. This, just three short scriptures talks to us about the importance of unity. And from these scriptures, I extracted three points. Number one, the goodness of unity. Number two, the pricelessness of unity. And three, the blessing of unity. The goodness, the pricelessness, and the blessing. Cue the birds chirping and the butterflies fluttering by, the rolling hills with just the shrubbery of, you know, colors sprouting from the flowers. And then just over the hill, you see like lights from the sun rising. Kind of seems like that's what unity is, right? Do, 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 do. It, it reminds me of the scene, and I don't know why this came to my mind in, in first service, but it made me think of Teletubbies. <laughs> when you watch that, that's really what it is. It's just like, beep, 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 butterflies going, and then the real, whole, you know, all the rolling fields with the flowers and the sun coming up with the weird people talking, maybe in tongues, I don't know. But can I tell you that God cares more about unity? It isn't just this pretty picture. It is something that the church has got to fight for. And you have got to know what you stand for and what you do not stand for. And we do not stand for disunity. If we want to see the purposes of God accomplished in his church, then we have got to stand on what he wants and desire what he wants. And he desires unity. What does God want the house to know about unity so that we can build his house? Number one, the goodness of unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I just see us skipping, but no, if we see each other skipping across the prairies and all the butterflies flying, we don't understand what good actually means. You know what good is? Good means that the creator of the universe created it and sustains it. He's a sovereign God who has all power. He's omnipotent. And everything that he created, everything that we see in Genesis, he created the skies, he created the seas, he created the animals, he created all the things that we are enjoying on this earth, and he marked them as good. But some of us have reduced this word good to what Collins tells us is less than great in his book, Good to Great. Because every business major probably read that book. And if not, if you've been in leadership college, that's the book you read. And good has been relegated to something less than something that we've created ourselves. Here's the problem with the world's virtuous ways and the way that they've defined unity is it's built on their metrics of what love and unity is. It's built on man's standards. And too often the church has fallen into creating standards and following the standards of this world when God has given us standards of what is good and it is a lot better than good on this earth. That was me not having a lot of words for good. But good in the word of God is he's a good God. So are we going to relegate God to eh, just good? Unity's good, kind of important. No, but we serve a good God who's a good father, who is forgiving, who is omnipotent, who is omniscient, who is so loving, who is so generous, who is so patient. He's so good. Unity is good. 
let's not reduce the goodness of unity to the world's standards of goodness, nor shall we follow the standards of unity in this world because again, it is demanded, but it's something that we can receive from God. How good it is when we receive unity and walk in unity with our brothers and sisters. The goodness of unity, it is a good thing. Anything outside of God's goodness is evil. <laughs> can I tell you that? If there's not unity, there's likely evil dwelling in those that are creating disunity. But there's evil in all of us, okay? Let's just let it be known. So what has to happen in unity is repentance, forgiveness. Do you hear me? There's standards, but it's the world's standards. Or excuse me, this, wow, no, the scripture standards. Don't put that on a clip on Instagram. <laughs> what God wants to know, us to know about unity, the goodness of unity, but also the pricelessness of unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Yeah, you're like, yeah, it's like that. And you're probably going, what does that mean? <laughs> It's like the, what? Precious oil on the head running down on the beard? On the beard, you start thinking of a man with a gray beard and you're like, that's unity? <laughs> Can I tell you, this is revealing to us the pricelessness of unity. The pricelessness of unity. The world's just, yeah, it demands this standard and it's like the standard, but it's not priceless to them. To, to God, this is, this concept, this idea, this reality of unity is that it is expensive. Think about it. the precious oil that is running down the beard means that there was an excessive pouring out of expensive, fragrant, most rare oil. And it reveals to us how precious, yes, that is this oil that can be wasted on a man and all over his beard and then on his robes, like it, it can be wasted on him, but unity is like priceless. Even more than that. You, okay, when, when I think about oil running down on me, I think about actually when I jump out of a pool and I throw a towel on and I'm trying to get stuff for my kids and I'm, I'm still kind of like dripping wet, my hair is wet, and you, then I'm like walking to my table out of the pool and then you see like drips following me, right? And then I sit down, the sun comes out and everything evaporates and the water is gone. Sometimes I think, that the church is walking in the anointing of water when it comes to unity. And what happens when we're walking in that anointing is that it evaporates and it dissipates quickly. It doesn't sustain. It doesn't last very long. But what God is wanting us to understand about unity is that when we are drenched in it, when we throw ourselves in it, when we're in the presence of God, when the presence of God meets us and we say, we love you so much, we're gonna love others, we're gonna repent, we're gonna ask for forgiveness, we're gonna try to love those who are unlovable. We're saying that, oh, bathe me in your, in your oil that leaves a mark, that leaves a mark. If you were to put oil all over your body and if you were to jump into a pool of oil because people do that sometimes. <laughs> You're gonna walk out of that pool or that tub of oil and wherever you go, people are gonna see the oil. You're gonna sit on your couch, it's gonna be on your couch. You're gonna sit right here, you're gonna walk on this carpet and that oil is all over and you can't see it and it lasts for a long time. 
This is the kind of anointing that God is saying, I want Project Church to have. I don't want them to be a flash in the pan. I want them to be here for the long haul. I want them to declare that I am good always, not with this light, very surface level water anointing. He says that unity is priceless. And we want it to be dripping down us off of our beards or the, the unwaxed parts of our faces, girls. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's going down our robes. It's going down our merch. And then people don't see the merch. They just see the oil and the mess that we left. That is going to change your life. This is what God wants in unity, it's priceless. We gotta want it more than some fleeting thing. Cause here's the thing, you guys, gosh, I love our church. But sometimes, sometimes we reduce church to this. And we reduce church to this. And whoever's speaking on the mic. And then we say, oh, what's priceless is a bigger LED screen. What's priceless is more merch so I can be cool and start conversations out there so they can know about Jesus. No, guys, that's not it. And we probably have to repent at times. I don't think our hearts were ever to distract anybody, but it's probably been distracting here and there. The microphone even, sometimes even the way we've taught, I have had to repent because there's times that even I want you to change so much. I give you so many points and then I strive and I'm like, oh, these are the best points. And God's like, I don't need you, Chrissy. Here's the word. That's all they need. but this helps. (laughs) These are tools that God has given us so we're not gonna be heck of religious. We're not gonna throw all this stuff away. God's blessed us with it and we're gonna use it, but we're not gonna let it trump unity. Do you hear me? We're gonna be unified under the way we seek the presence of God and the way we fight after unity, not the way that we present the gospel on Sunday mornings. The pricelessness of unity, it's priceless. Let's be a church that has the anointing all over us that where we go, it's the oil of the Lord, the oil of gladness that shifts lives and reminds people of the goodness of God. The pricelessness of unity. And then the blessing of unity. The goodness, the pricelessness, the, the blessing of unity. The blessed anointing from God is good. Here's what it says. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Man, Mount Hermon is the highest mountain in Israel. And it's dew. And the rains that happen there, they come down the mountain and it makes the mountain look alive, look colorful. The flowers bloom. And it really does look like that Teletubby scene. It's very colorful. It's very green. It's beautiful. And that's what happens when we are walking in unity. It makes us colorful. 
It makes us beautiful. It makes us worthy of looking at, not because we look good, but because when unity happens, his presence resides with us. And when his presence is residing in us, people see and experience his presence. And it brings color to their lives. The blessing of unity. You understand, you gotta understand here that we see this. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing. God commands a blessing for the people who walk in unity. So when we are not in unity, then we cannot be blessed. I mean, okay, I'm being, I'm being, maybe that's dramatic, but we cannot be blessed without unity. I don't know why we would continue to come here week after week with fractured relationships and all kinds of divisive things happening in our church. I don't know why we would think that we can expect a blessing from a Sunday morning message if we are not walking in unity. I think there's some people here, I'm not even just talking about the church. There's some families here. There's some marriages here. There's unity that God is saying, fight for unity because I want to give you a blessing. I command a blessing on those who walk in unity, how good it is to walk in unity and life forevermore. I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you life forevermore. God wants to bless us. And I don't want to do anything that would keep him from blessing us. So that's what God wants us to know about unity, but he also wants us to do something about unity. <clears throat> but we've been on this kick where we're, we're not just about doing, we're about being. <sighs> the fruit of the spirit is evidence that we're walking in unity. When there's love, where there's joy, there's peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That's Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says. So I, I want to get it right that we have to understand what God wants to do in us first. So it's not really something that we can do. But what we can understand is that the fruit of the Spirit reveals that we have been walking in unity. Do you hear me? There's so many things I would have wanted to talk about like on this Sunday. I'm just gonna be honest, I'm gonna just throw out a couple things. Um, two things, um, fish bait. <laughs> I know, I'm taking a left turn on you. Fish bait. When I, I was telling you the story earlier about how um, Caleb and I, you know, women's hearts should still lost God, the man is seeking the Lord to find it. And there's like this mission that we have, right? Well, that was something that God gave me when I was young, when I was in my 20s. And then God also gave me the word of fish bait because this is while I'm looking for a man. So I found him. <laughs> but fish bait. God told me that if you wanted to be the kind of fish that attracts the fools that, have you, that you've been attracting, then there's something wrong with the bait that you are. This is for the singles. If you want to attract the right men, the right women, then you've got to be the right bait. So we want to be exactly who God has called us to be so we can have the fullness of what he wants to give us. So Project Church, if we're walking in unity and we're being everything that he wants us to be, then we will attract the presence of God. He so, he so is so attracted to those who are so humbly dependent on him. That's the bait we want to be. We're not this... The, a bait is like stuck on a hook and cannot prove itself to the fish. Do you hear me? You're like, wow, I did not know she'd go there with fish bait. I don't, I don't even fish, guys, okay? So this is definitely the Lord. 
But we can't prove ourselves. We can't do more in order to get the presence of God here. We just have to be just stuck on him. Even pierced by him. Suck on him. We, we want to be, we want to attract him. And when we're being, when we're being loving, full of joy, peaceful, patient, long-suffering, self-control, that's got to attract the presence of God. Here's what it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 7. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, by being of one mind, it says in other versions, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Somebody say one. Do not do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being formed in the likeness of men. Do you know what this scripture is talking about? God has had me on this journey with Philippians and it's just talking about the mind of Christ. And I was like, whoa, as I was preparing for this message on unity, he was showing me that the key to unity is humility. Do you want unity in your marriages? Humility. Do you want unity in your church? Humility. Do you want unity in your workplace? Humility. Do you want unity with your kids? Humility. Choose humility every single time you never lose with humility. The keys are gonna make their way back. But I want to talk to you that humility only happens when we take on the person of Christ, when we take on Jesus. Humility outside of Jesus humbling us, outside recognizing what Jesus did for us and can do in and through us, humility outside of that is not humility, it's false humility. It's still pride. So what God is asking us to do in all of our relationships because the kingdom of God is built on relationships. The church of God is relationships. What God is wanting to do is show us how to be one with one another by being one in Christ. The best way that I can just express this, and I think many of you have heard us talk about this when we talk especially about marriage, is when Caleb and I um, have searched the scriptures and we, we understood that unity is us both taking on the person of Christ. So Caleb, he, as a husband, he has submitted his life to the church. He so loves the church, loves the church, submitted his life to the church. He, like a husband, a husband submitted himself like Christ submitted himself to the church and gave his life up for the church. He gave his life up for me. He sacrificed for me. Humility means sacrifice. Humility means submission. And then I think about me as a wife, that I get to be like Christ by submitting to my husband the way Christ submitted to God, God the Father, by being sent down here and to give his life up. Both very different people, very different roles. Caleb and I are also even different genders, if you were confused, genders. <laughs> And different color, okay? But we're one because we are both trying to be more like Jesus. 
I want to tell you more about unity. And then I want to tell you to be fish bait. I want to tell you to stop gossiping. I wanted to tell you all these things. I wanted to say, like, be one. And it's like, what, what does it mean to be one? But what it's, it's been reduced to for me and what I've come to understand that God is speaking to his church and he's been speaking to us these the last few weeks is to consecrate yourself. It's to consecrate yourself before the Lord. The song that we're singing is like, we just only want to be an offering. We only want to be an offering. We only want to give a sacrifice of praise. Our worship, our life, everything that comes out of our life, we want it to be an offering to you. And that is surrender. And that is sacrifice. That is consecration. That is humility. The only way we're going to find unity is through humility. And that's consecration. That's less of us and more of him. When there's less of us, when there's less of us, there's more room for him to move. Do you want to see a move of God in Project Church like you've never seen before? It's going to take unity and humility. But this is for your relationships. This is for your marriages. This is for your relationships with your kids. This is for your, worship, your relationship with your employer. When we love one another in humility when we're not trying to prove ourselves right, when we're not trying to make another person feel like they're less than, when, when, or that they're not measuring up, when we are loving one another well, then unity resides. And when there is unity, the presence of God is with us. These next 10 years, we do not wanna walk the way we've walked the last 10 years because the Spirit of God was with us there, but I believe that He said, you're going this way, you're going another direction, and we don't know exactly what it looks like. We don't have, we, we, we have come to the place where we are not gonna be too prideful to say that we know exactly what's gonna happen in the next 10 years. Some of our visions that we have given or that we wanna give are so full of our own ideas that I don't even wanna utter it. I just wanna say we want the presence of God and only the presence of God. And we're so desperate for the presence of God that I'm not gonna try to give you three steps on how to do the best church or project church these next 10 years. We wanna go with the presence of God and only the presence of God. That is the vision. You want to come back next week? You'll hear the vision. It's just going to say presence of God. I don't have five steps for the best way to raise the most money and make our LED screen look awesome. I'm really stuck on the LED screen. I love our LED screen. We're going to keep it. Don't worry. But we want the presence of God. And some of you are here like, okay, great, unity in the church. No, unity with you and God. His presence brings you unity with his spirit. He wants to repair whatever is broken here and here. And then here and here. It's gonna take humility. It's gonna take sacrifice. It's gonna take work, but fight for it because how good, how good and pleasant it is when you dwell in unity. It's like precious oil. And we want the anointing of God, the presence of God, the oil of the Lord to change us, to transform us. And we wanna leave a mark on this world that isn't our name, that isn't Project Church, but it's the name of Jesus whose presence changes and transforms us. Do you want that today? Do you want that today? Well, if you wanna dwell in unity, you're gonna to have to dwell in the presence of God. And that's gonna require probably something different than some of you have ever done. To tarry, to spend time in his word, 
to spend time in his word, to be transformed by it, to spend time in prayer, to be intentional about that. God wants us to dwell in unity, but that's gonna require dwelling in this secret place. Would you stand in this place? I just feel like I'm supposed to pray over us. A prayer of unity. But like I said, like we said earlier, the world's unity is demanded, but Christ's Christian unity is received. So in order for you to bring unity into your homes, unity in your workplaces, and unity in this church, you're going to have to receive a revelation of Jesus and who he is and what he wants to do in your life. And you're like, I don't know what that means. That sounds like revelation, what? No, we're gonna close our eyes right now and we're gonna tarry for just a minute. Would you put your hands out because this is a moment to receive. I'm not demanding that you do unity. I'm not saying don't do this, don't do this, don't do that in order for us to have unity. I'm saying, God, meet us so that you can give us the strategy for what unity looks like in our marriages, unity looks like in our friendships, unity looks like with our relationship with our kids, unity looks like with our in-laws, what unity looks like in our schools, what unity looks like in our church. God, we wanna receive a revelation of you. So first, Lord, I pray that you would just help people receive that they have a need of you. Sometimes we just have to receive the truth that we are dependent on him, that we need him more than anything else in this world. So God, I pray that people, as their hands are out, that you would remove from their hands self-reliance, that you would remove their, from their hands dependence on themselves. And God, by lifting our hands, we're saying and we're admitting that we are surrendered to you and that we need you more than anything else in this world. So God, I pray for there just to be a revelation of their need of you. God, may they put down their, their crowns. May they put down their achievements. May they put down um, the best book that they've ever read but may they receive your spirit and the revelation of what Jesus can, only Jesus can do in their lives. I pray that there would be a, a, a sweeping across these, these individuals and their hearts, that you would do a clean sweep and that you would just sweep away all of the dust and all of the things that the enemy has used in our lives to distract us from unity. All the preferences, all the agendas, all the things and the priorities that we have put in your place. I pray that you would sweep it away right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would replace into their hands a, a spirit of forgiveness, a spirit of repentance. God, that you would illuminate in their hearts what needs to change. And God, that they would leave from this place and they would do exactly what you've asked them to do. Whether it's asking for forgiveness, whether it's repenting right now before you, whether it's coming up here for prayer. God, I pray that you would give them the faith right now. That you would give them the faith, Lord Jesus, to receive all that you have for them so that we would walk in unity as your church. And that we would leave here different because we encountered your Holy Spirit. So God, right now, right now, just drop in their spirits what they need to do, what you need to show them, what you need to reveal to them. From the back, the very back of this room, God, I pray that you would meet them in that back row. That you would show them exactly what you want them to change. It's not on their own strength, but with what you can give them. Give them the strategy. Give them, just illuminate to them their own hearts. The places that we need to change. The places that need to be renovated. The places that need to transform for your glory. Because God, we want to love each other well. We want to present to this world the, a, a healthy, a, a, a unified church that carries your presence that carries your presence so have your way if you're here and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior 
I wanna give you that opportunity because he wants to repair a connection with him this morning. He wants to make you one with him. So if that's you in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus and you wanna make him the Lord of your life, I'm gonna to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand and say, I surrender. I'm not trying to do things on my own anymore. I have faith that God is gonna bless me. He's gonna heal me. He's gonna change me from the inside out. So if that's you in this place and you wanna give your life to Jesus on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, yeah, I see the hands all over, all over. Yep, yep, I see your hands all the way back there, yeah. I see that hand in the middle. Yes, thank you, Jesus, God wants to change you. Repeat after me, church, with those who raise their hands, dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today that I could encounter your presence so that I can be changed. I accept that I need you. I humble myself and I receive all that you wanna give me forgiveness, understanding, and love. Give me the strength to live for you for the rest of my life. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, give you give a shout of praise. God is doing something new in this house. And I'm telling you, a church that is unified looks alive.